Well, hello and welcome to the No Filter Needed podcast, where we cut the fluff, expel those myths and kick unobtainable standards to the curb. I am your host, Camilla Collins, self-image consultant, author and founder of multiple beauty and creative entertainment agencies. I am super passionate about empowering people to change their self-perception and reimagine not just the beauty, but the huge amount of power within themselves. And this podcast is in support of my mission to do just that. Well, hello. So I have got the super, super lovely Zoe Aston in today. Um, And Zoe is a psychotherapist and mental health consultant. And she is also the creator of Your Mental Health Workouts. We we go back a long time since about, I thought it was younger, but was it about 10 years old? No, I think you were right. I think it was a bit younger. I think because you were at my 10th birthday party. So I think we probably met at like eight. About eight. Yeah. Okay, fine. You were literally the next street from me, weren't you? Thing. And so, yeah, we lost touch for a while and then we bumped into each other again. Yeah. Um, around sort of the age of 21. Yeah. Uh, and then we've, yeah, been keeping in touch ever since. And you contributed to my book, which it was amazing and I'm so, so thankful for. So, thank you so much. It's a pleasure to have been asked. Right. So, in the book, we, I mainly sort of asked you about the nature versus nurture kind of argument yeah. and we sort of touched a bit on addiction um around other kind of things but i mean i think addiction is kind of quite a a big one especially with sort of the way people are living their lives today and sort of social media i guess um being quite addictive like what's your kind of view on addiction and do you think it's um you know the, the amount of people that i guess are showing addictive tendencies um or suffering from Uh, addiction and the other things that kind of leads on to do you think that's kind of increased these days I think it probably has I mean addiction is one of those things that you can probably apply to everyone at some point in their lives but it's also the only self-diagnosing disease no one can say you're addicted to something unless you say you're addicted to it because only you really know why you're doing something and there's a a theory called the self-medication hypothesis which is basically that we use things in order to self-medicate our feelings and help us cope with things and if you if that's your definition of addiction then we're all doing stuff all the time to help us cope and help us kind of medicate and make make us feel better about ourselves i suppose the increase with things like the increase of what we would might call addiction with things like social media is it has become so readily available whereas you know several decades ago it would have been drugs and alcohol maybe maybe food you know there was the stuff we got addicted to was about ingesting something toxic whereas now there are so many different types of what we call process addictions available to us that's very easy to get hooked on things like social media or obsessions around eating or obsessions around your body obsessions around people Um, and we call them process addictions because they're not things that you have to actually ingest or drink or eat in order to get a high from you actually get off on your own chemicals so you're using your your body's natural biochemistry to get a hit ultimately which is where things that we like love addiction sex addiction codependency come in because you find something that just gives you that little hit but what makes it an addiction is that there's a chase and a ritual and a kind of instant gratification to it but it, it has to be it has to be causing 
damage ultimately there's also a detrimental con- consequence to it in the long run what are the kind of damages that are sort of coming out of the more um what's the word modern day addictions yeah. that you're seeing rather than i mean it probably does uh you know even sort of excessive social media use um and sort of addiction there can then lead obviously to like unrest which will then turn to alcohol or you know food mm-hmm. and, and things like that but like what would you say are sort of the main things that are kind of coming out of that and how it's displaying in people i think there's a lot more uh there's a people having a lot more problems with relationships mm-hmm. my practice is full of people struggling with relationships um mainly young people millennials or gen z that or you know that have been part of the sort of online dating experience i think that's become a thing um there isn't any actual empirical evidence to prove that anxiety disorders have increased but i think we certainly talk about them more and i think they come to the surface younger potentially um i do think there are there is more conversation around low self-esteem issues Uh, again there's no actual evidence to show that there's been an increase in low self-esteem but I think the movement around mental health and talking around mental health and understanding that self-esteem is a mental health thing or a mental well-being thing however you want to phrase it has just allowed people to open up that conversation a little bit more it's great that people are talking and I always think the more thing you know things are out in the open uh it's easier for people to express themselves and and to accept it you know and think oh okay there's you know other people like me but do you um maybe worry slightly that perhaps people are the more it's kind of the more it's being talked about the more it's uh even being pushed out on social media as well in a way and, and coming up in conversations do you think that's actually making people um really sort of hone in on it and kind of breed more of this anxiety and more of this uncomfort and sort of um mental health worries or even people that didn't necessarily have it might have had just having a bad day sort of then blow it out into proportion uh, and have this whole thing about it and sort of a label to it yeah i think the labeling thing is really interesting because Sometimes it's a real relief to be like, oh, that's a thing. Like, other people have that. When you see a program or a post and you're like, oh my God, that's a thing. Me too. Yeah, (laughs) I get that. I totally get that. It's got a name. Thank God for that. I'm not weird. That means that there are other people (laughs) out there who are struggling with the same kind of thoughts and feelings. For example, someone with intrusive thoughts may not have something like full-blown OCD or panic disorder, but just hearing the words intrusive thoughts for someone who's had them but not been able to label them for, for years maybe it's such a it's such a release of oh that's a that's like that's a thing those intrusive thoughts are intrusive thoughts um everyone has intrusive thoughts to an extent but some people have them more than others so i think there is a danger of things like mental health or bad mental health becoming sort of currency in young people you know who's sicker than who but hopefully that will evolve into a more recovered or a more recovery-based conversation. Whenever there's a new trend or whenever there's a new conversation happening, people tend to jump on the bandwagon and, you know, it's just social behaviour. And then usually what happens is it just curves a corner. And, you know, I think social media is probably going to do the same thing. I think at some point there's going to be a change and we'll all sort of stop using it because there'll be something that goes on that in society that guides us to just back off and move back into our sort of private lives a little bit um and like so social media is almost like the 
macro of what happens in smaller social groups. So if you look at the social media behavior, what you'll, what you'll see is that happens on a much smaller level in all the different, what we'd call cohorts, social group. Um, so yeah, I think sometimes the labeling is really, really helpful. The labels are really, really helpful. But again, with mental health, if you're not sort of diagnosably unwell, so for example, if you've got a diagnosis of anorexia or schizophrenia, this doesn't necessarily apply to you. But if you are walking around your life every day, not being aware of your mental health or your mental well-being, that's a problem. We all are constantly bombarded with images and information around our physical health. Uh, and we also all have mental health. So I do think the it's a bit like the feminist movement. I think we have to like really over egg it. And I'm always over egging the stuff around mental health because not enough people are doing it, in my opinion, at the moment. And the more I say it, the more likely it is that people are going to hear it and respond to it. So I do think we need to overdo it a little bit and then kind of come back to come come back to baseline. That happens with movements all over the place. There needs to be a big shove in order for it to have an impact. And then to sort of rein it in back yeah. and go, right, let's deal with this kind of sensibly in yeah. a way. Um, and, it, and it's great. So your, um, so your account is mainly, your mental health, uh, your mental health workout yeah. uh, is, sort of, it started as a, an Instagram account, didn't it? Yeah. Um, and, and it's interesting that you've used that platform but I guess that's where everybody everybody is isn't it and I don't know how you feel I guess perhaps a little like me where I do think uh, social media is is great in a way that it brings people together uh, it's wonderful for you know businesses to reach out to people but again it's it's just got a bit too much mm. I feel um with just so many users and so many messages and mixed messages that and as it's bringing people together it's dividing them apart just like you said where I feel they can go into little pockets of yeah. I mean, there's loads and loads and loads of different groups as opposed to sort of like 10 groups. There's like, you know, millions of different sort of groups that you can kind of fit into. Yeah. And people kind of moulding themselves to that and then perhaps like wallowing in maybe not such great stuff in mm. a way uh, in, within those groups. But how have you found it sort of building the account kind of on Instagram? I know you've had an amazing response and you're yeah. helping a lot of people um, and I can I can see kind of all the comments, but have you even had a struggles yourself with n not spending, obviously you want to help people, um, so it, I'm sure it can be tempting for you to kind of be there on the all the time, but you're, yeah, just sort of keeping boundaries around your time on it and also the stuff that you're seeing. Yeah, I, I think I was a bit of a sort of an Instagram snob <laughs> you know, a year ago or so because what way uh, well people always said to me oh you don't use instagram for work and i was like oh no therapists don't use instagram it's all <laughs> confidential like you can't do that you can't do that but actually when i looked into it and became familiar with the sort of therapy mental health community on instagram in particular i don't really use any other social media platform um i was like actually this is a really good way of using a very helpful platform consciously and well um, I do think social media has contributed to a massive spike in negative stuff, bullying, body image, mm. um, comparisons, you know, all the stuff around filters, which I, you know, I struggle with myself. I, I try not to use filters on my stories, but, you know, it's that, because I, I, I think it goes against everything that I promote, but it's those, they're so, they're just there. And, and, they're and, so easily yeah. accessible, right? And people that I follow yeah. are using filters and I'm like, oh, you know, they look really, I'm like, you don't look like that in real life. You know, so the stuff, I think that, that kind of stuff can be quite challenging, 
But I think using a platform like that, which has access to so many people in a helpful way, as long as you are, well, I'll speak about myself, but as long as I'm in a place where I can navigate myself and navigate my own thoughts and feelings around it and my own behavior around it, I do think it's a very useful, um, it's a very useful tool in order to expand an audience and get information out there. For some people, that's the only resource that they have, which is part of the reason why I do it, because lots of people don't have access to therapy in the same way that I had access to therapy. They just, it's just not an option. And if someone's got a specific question, and I know the answer, and it's theory, it's not me therapizing them, I'm really happy to give that information. Um, so yeah, I mean, I do, what I do is I don't give myself a hard time if I can't get back to someone. Um, I don't make promises to you know my followers so that there isn't a sort of an opportunity for them to be let down because it is it, is, it can be quite demanding I mean it's when I first started doing it I was like this is a full-time job in itself you don't realize quite how much effort goes into uh, a social media account like your mental health workout until you're actually doing it I had like a, I mean I just know from running like accounts in general and, so, and watching you grow I was like how is she doing this yeah like, well it was all yeah. in, it was all interaction basically it's madness yeah. I just thought do you are you even sleeping are you even having any <laughs> yeah, time and, yeah yeah and because it's so easy to get especially doing what you're doing because you, you know you want to help people and it was so yeah. the audience was so engaged um, and really kind of soaking up everything and wanting to know more I just wondered if you if that kind of taken you up a little bit because were you expecting that response no not at all um i mean i did i can i I think i i can get a bit swept up if the audience is increasing very quickly but at the end of the day it's just ego (laughs) you know at the end of the day it's just ego we've all got egos we all need egos that's another conversation um and i think it's I think it's all right that I get swept up in it a little bit as long as I know how to get myself out of it. It's a bit like we go back to the addiction stuff, you know, lots of the things that people get addicted to are really fun to engage in as long as you know what you're doing with it, as long as you can like do it safely within your own personal limitations and boundaries. And that can be different day to day. So there'll be some days I'm like, I just cannot be on Instagram today. But part of being a therapist is about helping people to feel relaxed and interactive and being able to communicate and offer them information that they may not have had or ways of thinking that they may not have access to without that and the whole mental health workout thing is basically an uh, encapsulation of what I would do in therapy with a client over a long period of time Mm -hmm. which is ultimately let me teach you how to look after yourself which is which is great I mean I just think it's like I'm a fan of the gym and and you know even spin classes and all of that kind of beforehand and and because you've got a community at the gym, yeah. um, you know, and your your walkouts are part of your uh, walkouts, your workouts are part of your routine, and you know that's just so important to all of us, uh, just to kind of have that routine in place. I think all human beings yeah. need it really. Your mental, your mental health really. Um, I, I believe a lot of the physical kind of ailments and things that sort of come up probably started somewhere sort of mentally really um, yeah. apart from viruses and stuff like that or you know other things that are out of control but that's why I think it's just so important to take care of it which is why it's great that you're doing what you're doing because there's not is there many accounts like it out there well I haven't found an account that mirrors exactly what I'm doing I mean there are lots of mental health accounts I think the, the, the gap that I saw was that there wasn't anyone sharing information about the sort of myth busting stuff and the bits that we don't really talk about it's a, it's a bit like self-love you know the self-love craze is that 
you have to love yourself before someone else is going to love you or you can love someone else and I'm, I sit there and I'm like if you need to outsource love for a little bit <laughs> go for it like if you have not never had a role model that taught you how to love yourself mm. and you need to seek that outside of yourself for a bit so that you can learn how to love yourself then that's fine like we all need love coming in from outside sources if you're completely reliant on yourself for self-love you you're living a life of isolation so the self-love movement is yeah. great and lots of the stuff that it brings into brings into people's consciousness is a nice way of thinking but ultimately we don't always have intricacies of how that works so i think chucking in a little bit of theory and explaining some of the things that would happen in the therapy room and giving that information not keeping it secluded to behind four walls in a confidential space is what makes it what makes it different but generally speaking it's a very natural evolution of the knowledge and skills that I've gained over the past 10 years um, that I just want to make sure that other people have access to it in the same way also just having someone that knows what they're talking about up there you know that that would be the one kind of worry because it's so noisy out there now you have so many influencers across like from influencing everything um from products and and services and, and whatnot it's actually really hard to work out kind of who the pro is and yeah. and that's i think one of my I guess big worries in a way is where people, you know, where people are getting their information from and if it's the right information and particularly mm. around issues concerning mental health. I mean, that's, yeah. that's a bit of a worry. What, how, what do you feel um, like the long term kind of, or rather just negative impacts of not just social media, but digital media? So I remember a time when there wasn't uh, Facebook and, you know, was playing outside a lot as a kid, but the sort of the younger generation, I mean, even babies are like straight sort of on iPads and, yeah. and it is the way that the world's going, which is great in a way of, of the opportunities and things, but on sort of a mental health kind of thing, what, and human beings and our brain and what we're supposed to, the, inform- the way we're supposed to absorb information, like how, how do you think that impacts us? I think there's a, there's quite an argument around it. I think... The, the first side of the argument that came up was that it's really bad for mental health and people shouldn't be on screen so much and they're isolating and they're not communicating and they're not learning to have boundaries and they're not experiencing emotions and therefore they're not able to tolerate emotions so they become very sensitive and then you know you get the sort of snowflake type um not crit- criticism not the word i'm look, look looking for but the sort of people have referred to millennials as like the snowflake generation because so much of what we've grown up with has been different to what the generations before have grown up with however having said that I would say the digital age is actually the first age that we have such a platform to express ourselves to so many people and be challenged by other belief systems and be vocal about particular values particular morals and if you I know there's some really young Greta Mm-hmm. is one of them um really young people who have managed to get their voice heard in a way that would never have happened before the, digi- 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 the <laughs> digital age so you know there there is an argument that it's not great for human relationships but there's also an argument that actually people now get to choose who they communicate with do you think that it it encourages codependency with these sort of likes and follows and anyone i mean obviously it's instant gratification as well sort of dopamine hits but how about like the codependency i guess that's your sort of area 
I see more things around perfectionism and screen addiction and eating disorders that are aggravated by social media more so than codependency. However, you could argue that those things are the ways that we deal with the pain of codependency, which is not feeling good enough. It's all a big circle. It's, it's all a big like, circle. Yeah. And, yeah. Yeah, and from one thing to the to the other, kind of, and it all comes out in, in all different ways, doesn't it? Yeah. yeah, yeah. And I mean, it's, it's, I mean I'd mean, i probably like to dig into that a little bit deeper because I hadn't really thought about how codependency and social media in, interact in that direct a way. Because I suppose I'd always thought about it as a screen addiction or a social mm. media addiction. Um, I just think so many people are building brand new relationships with people that they haven't yeah. met um, and more so and it's become so normalised as well so I just wonder if that's almost like like the digital codependency or yeah, it could maybe. be going that you know going that way because I feel like the digital reality is now sorry the digital well, you see already I'm doing it it's more <laughs> it's more real people spend more time yeah. um, in the digital world than they do out in real life sometimes whether it's for work and yeah. not not everybody but that's kind of the way it's going you wonder if it's going to actually sort of go that way and and we're going to have actually a lot of new digital related i'm not even making sense i'm like i mean yeah maybe that maybe that might become a thing a digital disorder that could be i mean maybe we've just diagnosed oh, yeah. a whole lot of people <laughs> um wow. i suppose i've got quite an old school understanding of codependency and that it is born out of trauma so i mean if you were using social media instagram facebook and an inner trauma response or having a trauma response to it or being really triggered by it then yes you could classify it as codependence it just doesn't feel the link doesn't feel clear to me right now but you know yeah definitely definitely because of the codependent research and the, the model that i use in particular to uh, work with codependency is was developed long before any of this was happening um, so you never know maybe there's another research strand in there for me what's your um, like what have you kind of noticed about people's body image and, and self-image over the last sort of few years I guess in, in comparison to the years before um, I suppose I've no, definitely noticed that people are more forthcoming in talking about coming forward with eating disorders and getting treatment for eating disorders in terms which ties in with the body image stuff and I've worked more with people who experience what we call body dysmorphia on the more on the extreme end of the scale everyone has two things their actual body their actual body reality mm. what their body actually looks like and what their body image is and the body image the way I usually like to explain it is that it's something that's created in your brain. It's just Mm -hmm. created by your mind. It's made out of thoughts and feelings. It's not made out of what's actually going on. So depending on what you're thinking and feeling, depending on what you're experiencing, your body image is gonna change. Our body reality doesn't change that much on a daily basis, but anyone, everyone in fact in the world has has different feelings about their body and their face on a daily basis. And that's normally based on how they're feeling not a reality i totally get that actually and uh, i've even noticed like from one day to the next like i've yeah. woken up either like going oh my god like i feel i look great i look like almost i look slimmer my skin looks better like it literally overnight and you just think what, what on earth is kind of going on yesterday this yeah. isn't sort of reality and it just it proved to me and i was trying when i get these little moments of like 
like little aha moments um, to just kind of remember because it proves to me how much um, it's in my mind as well, yeah. like a lot of this, um, what I'm portraying on the on the outside, what I'm, when I look in the mirror, what I'm putting on myself, if that makes sense, on, on my reflection. And that's a really normal behaviour, it's a really normal human behaviour to do. I think the problem is when we get attached to those thoughts and feelings. So when there's a big difference between your body image and your body reality, um, you have to find ways of bringing them closer together. Mm-hmm. And that's when there's, when the bigger the gap, the more extreme the behaviour. But it's about, the recovery is always about working on your thoughts and feelings and understanding that part of yourself. And naturally your body image and your body, body reality will become more uh, in tune with each other. And having said that, I go back to what I was saying a minute ago, which is it's very normal to have difficult thoughts and feelings about your face and your body and the way that and the way that you look. I suppose the my own experience around that is uh, is that I don't attach to them anymore. You know, I'll have a thought, I'll have a feeling about my body or the way my face looks, but it doesn't change how I treat myself. It doesn't change what I what I eat. It doesn't change. You know, I might maybe I'll I might wash my hair to make myself feel a bit better, or mm. maybe I'll put on tinted moisturizer that day. But it it doesn't fundamentally change what I think other people think of me or what I think of me. And that's I mean, yeah, that's like really smart, especially when it kind of changes so often, like our moods and you know things outside events happen to us, which can yeah. um, change how we feel sort of all the time. And it's what I think when we latch onto these things uh, and then start changing all the great stuff that does work for us, i.e. Um, you know our routines uh, and things like that that's when we get in a bit of a, a muddle yeah. and I think our I mean I would say self for, in my experience your internal image and your external image the further away they are from each other is the more uncomfortable yeah. I think you will be yeah and I just think it's so important for people to really work on, on kind of matching those up I mean do you agree yeah absolutely I mean I just talk from personal experience that I I, actually this year I'll give you a real life a real life story I was I, I was at the do- I don't really weigh myself but for various reasons I've been to the doctor a couple of times and they've had to weigh me and um although within those times I will have felt that my I got heavier or I got lighter or whatever it was I weighed exactly the same like exactly the same and it just it just showed me I was like that's you know it doesn't matter what I think I'm doing to control my uh, body weight or shape or, or, or more mm. accurately control my feelings um, actually if I eat normally my weight stays exactly the same even though I feel like it might go up or go down um, it's not true because it just as a as an average it comes back to exactly what it was several months ago and we, we all have that kind of weight anyway that our body sort of just settles down to doesn't it unless yeah. we're doing something crazy drastic but even yeah, yeah. if we have like a you know proper pig out session and not so it just comes back to like yeah, that yeah. equilibrium it's called your set point weight yeah and it's just everyone has one and it's just where your weight settles in, in order for your body to function the way it needs to function and i think particularly for people who've had body image issues or eating disorders that's a really difficult thing to get your head around mm-hmm. trusting that your body will settle at the weight it needs to be at and that weight might not be the one that you want and that's where the work is you know our bodies are just amazing things and they they kind of do a lot on their own so we we really ought to not fuss with them yeah but same with our minds yeah yeah, you know sometimes when i'm doing group work you know someone will become very upset or they'll be someone will be angry with someone else or there'll be a feeling that's uncomfortable Mm. people don't like conflict so say there's conflict and i know from experience that if i leave it alone they will self-regulate but the general sort of we live in a society that just Mm. wants to make it okay again 
And I always say to them, I'm like, just leave it. Like, they will self-regulate. They will yeah. figure that out. You know, our minds and our bodies have a way of bringing us back to what we call homeostasis. So they're always, they're always trying to find balance. So true. And if you're, if you're off balance for a long time, then we get into sort of stress and that conversation about stress. But ultimately if you are a relatively healthy person in body and mind, your body and mind will find you back at a point of balance. doesn't matter what you do. So reassuring. Yeah. It's so reassuring to kind of hear from you as well, to hear that. But I've had, I always just know, like, tomorrow's a new day. Tomorrow, and sometimes I've gone, today's a write-off, and I've literally got up the next morning, like, the previous day didn't happen, or bouncing yeah. out of bed, and you just kind of never know. Like, it's never really that bad, is it? it just yeah. Just, it's like you know yeah it's okay tomorrow just needs to be a little bit better than today kind of thing but I also you know it doesn't have to be very often now but it did actually happen to me recently sometimes I can feel very low in the mornings mm. and I've, a couple of times in the recent past I've like just gone back to bed and then got up and restarted the day like a reset yeah. I find sleep is a reset and yeah. I have naps in the afternoon if I can't like yeah. literally 15-20 minutes and yeah. it totally I mean I wrote this in the book as well like it I it's just a reset completely transformed me and I'm like what was I in such a state about earlier yeah. it might have been yeah. emails or work or something but so it's suddenly very clear exactly so that's your body just going okay you need to have a nap I'm gonna and then yeah. while you're sleeping I'm out yeah your, your biochemistry rebalances and then you wake up and you're able to continue with it and everyone will have their way of doing that for some people it's napping I'm not really a napper myself but something like um movement for me really works Mm. whether it's a walk or whether it's high intensity or whether it's yoga or you know something like that really works as does you know taking time out sitting on the couch having a hot drink um just doing i find that have a hot drink thing for me that really is like a it's a phrase my mother used to use put your feathers down give yourself a moment to put your feathers down um and also you know i i'm also someone who's vulnerable to feeling like I need to respond to things immediately and I have to I've learned over and over and over again that no one is ever in as much a hurry as I am like (laughs) no one needs to hear back from me as quickly as I think they need to hear back from me Um, I'm the same and I yeah there's that we we, because we have our own worlds don't we as well we think you know obviously we're the center of our worlds but we're not the center of everybody else's yeah uh but also another thing on on that note for me is that i worry that i'm not if i don't deal with it now i'm going to forget or it's you know other stuff might come up yeah see i think i worry that i'm going to get missed out or forgotten or i won't get what i want but it's interesting that different people that's and that's where you get other people your history coming in and kind of playing playing the story it's interesting because i'm posting on triggers at the moment and i was doing something about you know i haven't posted it yet so but um it's something about dealing with a trigger is actually when you're able to tolerate the feelings and change the ending it's not about removing it from your life and i think that's kind of what we're talking about a little bit in terms of social media and body image and food and addiction it's that understanding and acceptance isn't it in a, yeah. in a way of what what think... triggers are and and how they're playing out in today and yeah. where they where they where their root is where they where they kind of come from and not using it as, as, a, as an excuse to bow out of something mm. because we're all triggered all the time is the truth of it yeah. there's all sorts of things going on all the time that trigger us consciously and unconsciously you know we're reactive beings and we're all trying to be a little bit more mindful and a little bit more active rather than reactive and all you know that's part of the I think the wellness movement which is great because yeah. we're all learning to tolerate what I'd refer to as our trauma responses a little bit better I suppose in a healthier way 
awesome. Oh, well, this is, yeah, it's been absolutely amazing chatting to you. It's been a pleasure. Thank you so much for coming in. It's been awesome. Um, okay, great. So, uh, it's what, remind me of the tag if anyone wants to go and check your mental health workout because I don't want to spell it wrong. Or well, that's it, it's just it's at just your mental health workout. Lovely. So there's no underscores or anything. No, no underscores, straightforward. At your mental health workout. Yeah. Super, amazing. Thanks so much. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you got some good takeaways from today. And if so, then please do leave a review. Make sure you subscribe so you don't miss an episode and you can find further insights and tools over at camillacollins.com.